Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. I am Pastor Ruth Gardner and we are gathered tonight to continue our study on the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to open up in prayer. We're going to get started. Amen. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for your loving kindness and we thank you for your tender mercies. We thank you, Lord God, for watching over us keeping us and covering us throughout the day. Father, as we come together to read and study on your word, Father, we pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to receive. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll give us revelation, oh God, of your word. We'll get a deeper understanding of what you, what the scriptures are saying. Father, even show us how to apply to our lives today. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you, Lord God, for covering us and protecting us all day. Father, we pray right now, we come against all distractions. We come against all uh, interruptions on the internet and across the Wi-Fi and all the uh, connections. Father, we come against it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We ask that you give us clarity of thought, Father, and let our words come together. Father, that we'll be able to explain and, and to just go into your word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so um, we're going to listen. We're going to play 2 Corinthians. We're going to go into chapter 2 as well as chapter 3. I know last week we worked, we didn't come together. So we're going to double up on the chapters. Um, chapter two is very short. And so we're going to kind of incorporate two and three together. So I'm going to be playing the NIV version. So let me um, get that together. And let's get started. Two Corinthians chapter two. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad, but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me 
as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death, to the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Amen, amen. So we're going to look at um, chapter 2 first. We're just going to talk about this briefly. Apparently, there was someone in the church that had um, sinned, and Paul had um, wrote a letter, and um, he decided to come there himself, as we see through the conversation you know, you can kind of pick it up that where he had came to there, you know, did what he said, what he had to say, and maybe he was a little bit too harsh. And so he wrote a letter, second, second Corinthians. And um, he talks about he was trying to avoid a painful visit like his previous one. So um, Paul had written a tearful letter to them from an anguished heart so that they could deal with the sin and have their joy restored and know of Paul's abundant love for them. That's what he was talking about in verses three and four. So in verse number five, he talks about a troublemaker within the congregation that caused harm, not just to the individual, but to the whole church. Um, as in verse number five, it says, but if any cause grief, he have not grieved me, but in part that I may not overcharge you all. Pretty much when someone, when, when something is, okay. What, you know how that saying goes one, um, how do I say it? I can't say it now. Give me like a piece of it or a concept. Like a, a one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. Are you talking about love for the, the scripture for leaven? Who? You said one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. Well, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Thank you, Pastor. 
So I was trying to do something like more of a, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so it's like when one little bit of sin is in a church or one person that's not going along, like it's, if one person in the church is sinning, it can cause a downfall or a domino effect to the whole church if it's not dealt with. And this is what Paul was trying to say, you know, like, you know, like when it was first talked about in the other book, it talked about how there was the sexual immorality in the church with the man and sleeping with his stepmother and how, you know, he was saying, you guys are sitting around, you know, condoning it, you're not addressing it and that you need to dress it, dress it. It needs to be taken care of because if you let that continue, it can spread that that spirit that sinful spirit can spread spread out throughout the whole church and then you got you know wildfire going on so it's the same context that he's saying here it's the same conversation that he's having you know but now that you're dealing with the troublemaker or they dealt with the young man now that you know he has repented now we have to shift it now that you know not only do we um deal with the issue but now when he repents we have to on the same token um restore him okay we can't hold a grudge against him for what he's done if he's repented then let us restore him in love and let us move on and that's pretty much what he is saying um in verses uh let's see six down to eight is there sufficient to a to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many so that contrary wise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow i mean king james version wherefore i beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him in other words okay he's repented let's restore him now let's you know don't don't hold it over his head like some people like to do you know we have to learn how to forgive and we need to learn how to um like let it go you know in verses 10 and 11 he says to whom are you forgiving any i forgive also for if i forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgive it, forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest should, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So Satan's goal is to incite disunity in the church. And this was a perfect opportunity for him to take advantage of them. Don't be ignorant of his schemes. He'll tempt you both to ignore sin and to refuse to forgive. So on both sides, we see how the enemy worked. Because when the young man was in the sin and was doing the sexual immorality with his, with his stepmom, nobody addressed it. So that's one way, that's one strategy that the enemy works. And here now, um, when it's dealt with, you have some people who refuse to forgive. So that is another tactic that the enemy uses. So we have to be 
can I be ignorant of his schemes? Can I be ignorant of his devices? Can I be ignorant that he can outwit us as it's said in NIV version, um, that he outwit us? Okay, so now we go further down and we see that in verses 12 to 13, he talks about he came to church to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. I had no rest of my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. And now thanks be to God, which always sees, causes us to triumph in Christ and making myself maketh manifest the savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savior Christ in them that are saved and in them in the spirit. So, um, let me see what else I want to point out in that. So basically in chapter two, the main thing I wanted to talk about and discuss is the fact that once we forgive and once repentance has come to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to restore them. We can't leave them out there. We can't ostracize them or, or hold them captive by that sin. If they sincerely repented, then let us all move on and let us restore him. Let us love on him. Let him know that he is loved of God and that we are still his brother and sister in Christ, and that we're going to do all that we can to help him on his journey of restoration and that we don't beat him or kick him when he's down. Okay. Um, if you've been watching the, the listen to the, well, seeing the chat, I didn't want to cut you off, but you know, they also um, address this in, in the book of Galatians chapter six, verses one and two, it says, brother, and if any man be, oh, be overtaken in a fault, let ye, uh, let ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted bear ye one another's burdens as so fulfilling the law of christ very good thank you i see i'm sorry i didn't see the chat because i have my notes open thank you okay so um so just reading a little bit of notes that in verse 12 13 the problem the corinth church had had unnecessarily prevented paul's ministry from moving forward they become a distraction because he was so concerned about whether or not they got the letter, he was so concerned as to whether or not they dealt with the issue, whether or not, you know, um, everything was good. He was so concerned about that, that he really did not focus on what was important and what was at hand. All right, where is my, okay, here we go. Oh, this is really weird. How the scriptures are like, so tiny. Okay. And where is... Are you using logos? 
Yeah, but I'm looking at. Mm, there it is. So how come this hasn't changed? Hmm. There it is. All right, there we go. Sorry about that, guys. My um thing didn't change. There was something I wanted to read. In verses number 15 and 16 of 2 Corinthians. He said that um, this is a reminder that a person's response to the gospel has eternal consequences. When you share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone, eternity hangs on the balance, hangs in the balance. It is for this reason that Paul was engaged with a high degree of integrity in authentic ministry. There is no game. Heaven and hell are on the line. So in um, verse number 15 and 16, where he speaks about, for, un, for we are unto God a sweet savior of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savior of death unto death unto the other the savior of life unto life. And who was sufficient for these things? For we, are, we were not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So Paul knew he spoke a message from God and ministered before God for the well-being of the church and for God's glory. That should be the motivation of every Christian. So verses 15 to 16 is talking about the consequences of when you are, okay, all right. When you are ministering, you're a minister and you're ministering the word of God and you're out in, in ministry and you're walking in ministry, you have to realize that when you share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone, eternity hangs in the balance. That means you got to make sure that you are speaking the truth and that you're speaking the truth with knowledge and that you're speaking the truth with understanding. Because if you do not, you can cause someone to miss out or misunderstand or walk away or be misled or misguided in this thing. That's why it's very important to make sure you study your word. It's very important that you know that you know that you know what you're talking about. And um, so make sure that what you're saying, make, make it make sense. <laughs> make it make sense. Make sure that when you're speaking and you're ministering, that you have Bible scriptures to back it up and that you are, make sure you study it in context. Make sure that what you're preaching is what the word is saying, that it's not, something that you're coming up with, or, you know, sometimes God will give you uh, a revelation of some sort, but not so far to the point where it totally takes the, 
original text or the scripture out of context. So um, just make sure that you know that you are doing that. Okay. Amen. Any questions? I know it's kind of like I was like kind of blah 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 because I was kind of trying to find where I wanted to go in at. There was so much I, I realized once I read it again, there was so much I did want to talk about. But I'm sorry about that. So I was rambling on there for a second. So is there any questions or any comments, anything that you didn't understand or anything that I said that did not make sense or that you need clarification with? Or do you have something you want to add to or uh, question at this point before we move on? Not at all, because, you know, when I kind of had something to add, I kind of tried to interject a little bit there before. So, you know. Your voice sounds a little low. Normally, I have a microphone connected. Right now, I'm just using the microphone that's on my laptop. Okay. All right. It just sounds just a little low. Almost kind of muffly, like, so I'm trying to listen to you. And I don't want to turn my speaker up too high. But, okay. It's interesting. I thought the MacBooks were supposed to have good microphones. They do have good microphones. You have it turned down low. <laughs> so... Um, Elder Joy, do you have any questions or anything? I don't think she does. No, I don't have any questions. All right. So let's move on to chapter three. There we go. Two Corinthians chapter three. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. All right, so let's look at chapter 3. So when we go back to the first uh, scriptures, the first few verses, um, for verses one through six, he talks about um, a letter. So apparently, just give a little bit of background. Apparently, um, between Paul's journeys and him traveling out and not being present at Corinth, some apostles came and... Um, so-called apostles were coming, people were coming in to preach and to minister at the church of Corinth. And they were having um, these letters of recommendation. They were coming with letters of recommendation saying that this one recommend them to come by and, and, and share, you know, a message in this one of, of a well-known uh, orator sent them a letter and told them to come visit the church so because these people were coming and they were coming with credentials, quote unquote, letters showing their, their, um, their pedigree and showing, you know, they're coming dressed in a certain way. Because you got to remember Corinth um, had a certain uh, flair about themselves back in the day. They were like rich people and they were of well, well-renowned people. So, you know, you got to think about how Paul was coming. Paul was coming as a, you know, as a everyday Joe. He wasn't dressed in fine garments or he wasn't coming in with money and all that stuff like that. Paul came just as he was. He was dressed, you know, in a lowly estate, didn't look poor, but, you know, he wasn't, you know, in fine raiment. But you had these uh, people that were coming through with letters and they were coming in looking like they were rich had money, was, uh, you know, very uh, well-known, you know, people, the who's who's were backing them and giving them letters of recommendations. So because of this, some of the people were like, well, Paul, where your letter at? <laughs> where your credentials? We want to see your credentials. We want to see what you all about. But Paul, as, as, as wise as he is, just replied back and said, what letter do you need from me? Y'all my letter. You know, you know, it kind of offended him because he was like, why would, why would I need it? Why y'all need some recommendations or letters from me? When I started this church, I planted this church. I ministered to you guys and your hearts were changed and convicted by the spirit of God. That's the letter. If you want to talk about a letter, you're my letter. The letter is in your heart and is written by the Lord Jesus Christ himself because of the change that, that happened, how your hearts were pricked, how God came in and moved in your lives. That's, that's why you're asking me for recommendation. That my ministry speaks for itself. So, um, so verse number three says, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the results of our ministry written not it with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. So he was saying, you know, these credentials that these letters that they all bring in, you know, I, I, I don't need that. You, you're my proof. 
that I'm of God. You're my proof of my pedigree of, of how well I am, how well my relationship with God is, or how close my relationship, my walk, how serious my walk and my ministry is because you guys came to Christ through my ministry. This church was started by me. So, so then he goes on to say in verse number four, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now he's right here. He's shifting the, 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 the recommendation or the credentialing. He's shifting it from the letter um, in terms of the law of God to the law of the spirit. So now, because then after this scripture, after this verse, you see right here, he's making a shift because first he was talking about actual letters of recommendation and actual letters coming from people to prove that Paul is legit. That's what they were asking. The people were asking Paul, well, give us a letter or some credentials to show that you're legit. He goes, I don't have to because you're my letter because what you what what has transpired in your life is proof enough of my credentials and then he goes so then he goes and not the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life so now he's making that shift from the covenant laws to the laws of, of christ the laws of moses to the laws of christ he's making that shift now so he goes, now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters and stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the spirit be more, even more glorious? So now he shifted from them wanting a letter to show, okay, so they're coming from under the law of Moses. They're still coming under the law of Moses. And even in that ministry, it brought death because of the fact that under the law, being held under the law, it brought death because of the fact that it was hard to physically obey. If that makes sense. Following under the law. It was hard to physically obey. And even though it was being obeyed, there was no changing of the heart. That's what was bringing about the death. It was not any change to the human heart. Like there was no conviction. You know, you follow the laws, you were going through the laws, but there was no change of heart. And that's what God was seeing. That's why he sent his son. Because even though everybody was, you know, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees and people of Israel, they were following under the law, but because there was no changing of the heart, it was profiting them nothing. But now when they come and, and come under Christ, Christ came and took care of that part of the law. And now our faith in Christ frees us. Okay. Now he's talking about how Moses came down from the mountain when God wrote the Ten Commandments. And Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone 
his face was was illuminated um ooh, let's see if we can go to that real quick let me see if i can find it real quick where it talks about moses face um shining okay i think it's exodus 34 29 yes exodus 34 29 and it came to pass when moses came down from mount sinai with the two tablets of testimony in moses hand when he came down from the mount that mount the moses was with not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come nigh him. So, and Moses called unto them and Aaron and all the rules of the congregation returned unto him and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh and he gave them in, in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when he went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And, all, and the children of Israel saw the face of Moses and the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So what was going on was that... Um, they were afraid because when he went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, he was in the presence of God and that the glory of God shone on Moses' face. And so when he came down out the mount, they were afraid because his face shone. So he put down, he, hit, he covered his face up with a veil. So that's what he's talking about in this uh, particular text. So he's saying, um, so and now the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters and stones. So now the ministry that brought death, knowing that the commandments were not bringing life, but it was really causing death because people were not able to uphold them and came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious now the ministry of the spirit is taking on christ believing on christ that's the ministry of the spirit being changed from within by the spirit of god having the spirit of god within you so wouldn't that he's saying so paul saying wouldn't that be even more glorious if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness so the ministry of jesus brings righteousness where the ministry of moses and the laws brought condemnation because once again no one was able to follow the ten commandments literally Am I making sense? Yes, keep going. Okay, we clear? <laughs> you get it. Okay, great. So, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surprising, surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? So now it was saying that Moses... The glory of Moses was fading. So let's read further down. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses 
who will put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. His face, even though he had the glory of God on his face, after a while, it started to fade. It did not stay. It did not last with Moses forever. It was like a temporary thing. It was a temporary, um, excuse me, it was a temporary encounter. So his face, eventually Moses was able to talk to the people without the veil. Okay, as time went by, the veil, it was, it was getting, it was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Testament is read. Now he shifts from the face to the heart. Oh, this is good. <laughs> That's why I want to do chapter three. He shifts from the, from the face to the heart. So now he's saying, but their minds were made dull for to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Testament is read. There was a veil over the heart because the commandments did not prick the heart that God really wanted it to, but he realized that it didn't. So, okay. All right. You with me? It has not been removed because only Christ in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses read, veil covers their hearts. So he shifted from the face to the heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Taken away from where? The heart. Now, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So he puts it back up to the very beginning. So when Christ came, he took the veil from the heart. He removed the veil from our hearts. And because the veil has removed from our hearts, now we shine in righteousness. And the glory of the Lord is shine, is shine, it shines through us. So yeah, we may see some people say, oh, your face, you look different. Something's about you is different. You look different. Yeah, that's, a, that's God's glory. So now it's shifted from the hearts back up in the face. which goes back to the beginning. So there's no need for us to have a letter. Our work, our ministry should speak for ourselves. Now there are some, in some cases it's good to have, you know, some, in some cases, yes, you, you, you're gonna need letters, recommendation, you know, you know letter of uh, uh, credentials, you know, it's important in some cases that you do have some type of letter a recommendation or letter, you know, stating who you are and who you know and this, that, and the other. But in a lot of cases, if we're ministers of Christ, it shouldn't be necessary because our work should speak for us. Our work, our ministry is our letter. What, who, whose lives we change should be, uh, is, is our letter. This, and I'm telling you, in this second Corinthians, it's, let me just take a deep breath second corinthians is so 
so like the, the church of today. I mean, you can read this book. You can read this chapter, this book, and you will see, you will literally see things played out today. The church today. The church today is like Corinth. Because they're looking for people with, um, they're looking, they're looking, they're looking at the wrong thing when it comes down to ministry. If somebody walks into church and they, you know, dress to the to the hilt, and you know, they got all their fancy clothes on and this, that, and the other, that's all oh, 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 yeah, they they from good pedigree. They they know somebody, this, this, that, and the other. They'll receive them, they'll accept them, they'll give them, you know, move. Walk them up to the front of the church, maybe even sit them up in the pulpit. But let you let somebody walk up in there who's full of the Holy Ghost, powerful in the Lord, but come in there looking like everyday Joe, they'll sit you right in the in the congregation in the pews with everybody else. And you may be an apostle or somebody <coughs> well renowned. Not on the on their on their circuit. You know what I'm saying? That on that platform, but you may have the power of God. They don't even see or recognize the power of God that's on you. They're looking at somebody walking up in there with red bottom, red, red bottom shoes and, and all these different uh clothes and and you know, it's like a fashion show. <clears throat> can I can I rant with you? Rant on daughter, rant. Come on. <laughs> I because you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Is that is it's it's the clothes, and then when it comes to like ministering and preaching, I've been I've been I've been paying so much more attention, and I'm actually listening to people, and it's just a lot of hollering, and it's something that we've talked about, but it's really a lot of hollering. And then when I look at the comments, man, y'all was lit. Oh man, the power of God was there. Oh, oh my God, I should have been there. Oh my God. And it's just like, they ain't even say nothing. They just yelled cliches the whole time. And you see that people just jumping and shouting and hollering. And I'm like, they, they're, they're literally not saying anything. It's, yeah. it's really so performative sometimes. And I'm like, you know, I'm always asking God to like really, really check me because I'm not trying to be religious or anything. I'm not trying to, you know, criticize. I'm not trying to let a spirit of just that criticism right, take over right. and I'm just self-righteous and I'm just like, mm, they don't got no power. You know, I'm not trying to be like that, but I'm actually listening to what people are saying. And I'm just like, none of make what you said sense. makes sense. Make it make and sense. It, it made no sense. And it's 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 a cliche. And, and I'm just looking at people just jumping and, and hollering. And then when someone comes with actual truth, y'all need to be delivered. Y'all need to stop living in sin. Y'all need to really, really form a relationship. Like you said, it's not about works. We don't, we're not saved by our works. You said this, you know, Jesus came and fulfilled the law. It was like over, I think it was like over 600 laws. Jesus fulfilled them all in person. He was the perfect man, the only one to ever do it. And when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He fulfilled every law so that we didn't have to. So by faith, we are saved. It's not by our works so that we can boast. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's through our belief in him. And when you try to tell people, like, just go to God, go to God as you are and, and, you know, form a relationship with the father and, 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 you know, just solidify your relationship, everything else, all your desires and everything will die. 
you know, some of the desires, some of the addictions. Yes, some of them are demons that need to be driven out. Yes. But as soon as you start forming a relationship with Christ, things do, things will get better. That's, that's it. And when you tell people the truth and tell people that, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear, I'm coming out. They want to hear, you know, I'm coming out. But it's like, you're coming out, but you have to make changes. They right. want to hear, God going to bless me. But are you paying your tithes and your offering? Are you, are, do you have any, not even just tithes and offering, are you disciplined in your, in your everyday finance? But God going to bless me. God said he's going to open up a window of heaven, pour you out a blessing. Oh, God, go for but what are you doing to discipline yourself? God going to heal you. Okay, so what are you doing to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what steps are you doing? Not like that God needs any help, but what are you doing to receive? What, what are you doing on your part to receive from God? Right. You know what I mean? And and I, I'm really just right. But I'm just, I just, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but since you went there, I wanted to help because you know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I, it's just like, I'm just paying attention. And it was so funny because somebody posted a meme. They said, if Paul was alive today, the church in America would be getting a letter. And everybody in the comments was like, no, we would be getting a letter and a visit. <laughs> and I'm like, for real? I'm like, they would not, some of the stuff that they get mad about that people tell the truth about, people would be so angry with the prophets. Everybody talk about Elijah. Everybody want to be the prophet of Elijah and Isaiah. And they talk about Paul and all this other stuff. And I'm like, y'all don't understand. They would tear us up here in America. They would tear us up. Elijah called fire from heaven and consumed all, all the prophets of Baal. You think, you think if you was, you do you really think you'll be alive? Nope. <laughs> do you really think? You'd be alive, and it's just like I don't know what y'all want. I really don't. But I, I yeah, I'm sorry, Ma. I, this, I, it's okay. It's okay. Cause see, the thing is, it's like before it was very subtle, but now it's getting more and more. Um, it's becoming more and more prevalent. You know, the stuff that we see and and the things that's going on, and you know, it, it's and it's, it's it really is crazy and and like jaw dropping to some extent to see how you know and and here's the thing here's the thing <laughs> this is what really blows my mind paul wrote this to the church <laughs> how many years ago and we see it today that's the thing that's what i said when you when you read the book Corinth, it's like you're looking at the church today everything that paul addresses sleeping around the sexual immorality um forgiving even having the lord's supper how people were eating the food <laughs> eating the good food and leaving the the, the 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 nasty food to um for the people who were coming late they don't eat all the food got drunk you know people do, that today. people do that today now with the communion but if you had a gathering people take certain food and put it to the side you know, he said all things equal, all things common. And they're not. It wasn't. They had, there was, there was division. You know, you had the people who were of a wealthy um, pedigree. Like I said, they, they had their own little clique. And so now here they go wanting to confront Paul because Paul didn't look the part. Paul didn't look the part. So now they wanted him to give him give, give us credentials. We got all these, all these other preachers coming up in here dressed you know, looking like this, looking like that, and they got letters backing them up, and where your letter at? 
He's like, why are you asking me for a letter? <laughs> I started this. This is, he said, this here my juke joint. I started this. What are you talking about? And 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 it's crazy. It it's absolutely crazy because, and that's what we see. And that's what we're seeing today. And Paul's addressing it to Corinth. And this is written how many years ago? How long ago? What year was Second Corinthians written? <laughs> I mean, really, let me let me see. What was Second Corinthians written? Because it's it's applicable to today. What we're seeing is applicable to today. I wish there's a way I could find out real quick and see what year it was written. Oh, study Bible. Let me see if I can find a study Bible real quick. Let me go back to, because the study Bible will tell you when Corinth was written. It's crazy because a lot of the stuff that he wrote really applies for today. Even back when he wrote to the, you know, Romans. He wrote, I mean, not Romans. Um, yeah, yeah, Romans. We went through Romans first. And yeah, then we, we went through the, Romans first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Romans. Like, he he was addressing stuff that's relevant for today. Like, even, you know, it's, it's I I read Galatians, Hebrews. I'm all in New Testament. I'm like, this applies, this applies, this applies. Yeah. <laughs> this applies. It's, it's, it's so crazy. It's so crazy what we're seeing. You know, it is. so we it have is. to, we just have to, we have to be careful and just be mindful and see, my thing is the whole crux of this is to make sure that when we stand and we minister the word of God, we are ministering the word of God, period. So yeah. if it appears that second Corinthians was written 55 AD. Okay. That's a long time ago. And you see this. You see everything that all the different things that he dealt with. In the book of Corinthians, he he first Corinthians, he was just debating back and forth. And now he still is. Sacrificing food to idols, eating certain foods, and you know, you know, who's worshiping up to God, different gods, and, and eating the food that you worship to God and should you eat the food? And then, you know, in Rome, they'll talk about circumcision. This one should be circumcised. And all these different things that, you know, mm -mm. But this, this one here, I mean, I, I know that this had to offend Paul, that they were asking him for a letter, of, a credential letter. Because as we read further, I don't want to give a little bit too much, you know, give it up, you know, kind of let the cat out the bag, so to speak. But as we go further into the lesson in 2 Corinthians, you'll see where he actually confronts those quote-unquote super apostles. The ones that I'm talking about, the ones that are coming through with letters, he's going to confront them. He's going to address them. But it's later on in, in the chapter. I mean, later on in, in the 2 Corinthians book. But that's it. Um, so just to wrap up what we were talking about on tonight, you know, just making sure that, you know, one thing that we have to do is that when we have a brother that's fallen and, and they're coming back to Christ, we need to restore them. We can't sit there and hold grudges or hold that sin over their head. 
We have to restore them, help them get themselves back together. You know, if, the, if we find our brothers in a fault, we need to go ahead and, and let them know, look, this is not right. This needs to be addressed, especially in the house of God. If you are a Christian, you should be in, and somebody comes to you and say, yo, you're doing something and this, that, and the other, and city, you catching the attitude, you need to go ahead and repent, get your life together and be restored instead of getting mad and leaving the church. Because <laughs> that, that's another thing that happens. When you confront people sometimes, they get mad and leave the church. And then once it's confronted and that person, uh, and, and of course, let it be done in love, you know, it has to be done in love. And when that person is restored, then let us move on. Let's not bring up the past or hold that over their heads. Because, you know, we all have sinned. You know, there before the grace of God go you. You know, you never know where you may uh, re come, be confronted with temptation and you stumble and fall. You know, we all have our, our battles. We all have our demons that we fight against every day. So we should not be um, quick to outcast that person because of what they've done, especially if they have a heart of true repentance. Now they're continuing then that's where you mark that man. You mark him, like the Bible says, you know. But if they've got a true heart of repentance and they're trying to get their lives back in line with God, then let us work together. Let us rally around that individual and restore. And that's what Paul was saying in chapter two. And in chapter three, he was talking about the necessary uh, need for credentials and letters and to prove who you are in Christ. You know, that the letter that he talks about is the letter that was written by God on the hearts of God's people. Amen. Amen. Anybody have any questions or any comments about tonight's lesson? Anything that's not clear that I need to clarify or maybe explain a little bit deeper? Everybody's good. Charmaine, you good? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, then. So if all hearts and minds are clear, we're going to go ahead and dismiss. Um, Elder Joyous, since you are up there on that, on that, on cloud nine, you go ahead and dismiss us, please. <laughs> <laughs> Father God, we thank you for tonight. Father, we thank you for this lesson. God, I ask that you would seal this lesson on the tables of our heart. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would keep us, keep us focused on you. Keep our minds, keep our hearts stayed on you. Father, let us not be distracted by the wiles of the enemy, by his tricks, by his devices. Let us stay focused on what you have called us to do and what you have placed our hands to do. Father, I pray for those who are listening to the playback. I pray that they are encouraged. I pray that they are renewed, revived. I pray, Lord, that you will answer every prayer, even those who are on the call now. I pray that you will answer every prayer, spoken and unspoken. Father, I pray that you will protect us throughout the night. I pray, Lord, that you would give us sweet rest. I pray against any demon of insomnia, any tormenting demon, and any demon that would bring on night terrors. 
or anything of the like, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would send your angels from the third heaven to stand guard around our houses and stand guard around our rooms and our beds at night and drive out anything that is not like you, Father. I bind all distraction. I bind all chaos. I bind all disorder in the name of Jesus. And I pray for peace. I pray that your presence will infiltrate our rooms and our, and our homes and our towns and our neighborhoods. Father, may there be peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. May your light shine bright through the darkness. May it pierce through the darkness. In the name of Jesus, Father, we bind every witch, every warlock. In the name of Jesus, Father, we bind every dream catcher. In the name of Jesus, we know that you speak to us in our dreams. And so I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bind every demonic force that would try to hold captive our dreams so that we can't hear what you are saying as we rest. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would give us peace, give us comfort. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.